when I was first diagnosed with stage two breast cancer in 2018, I felt this really strongly when my nephew was born because I was so happy for my family. But I, yes, my, um, but I was also experiencing and looking at what probably was not going to be a reality for me. And so it was like that, it was so confusing to me to have extreme emotions, to feel so sad and so happy at the same time. So that was when I really started exploring, wait, can't these exist together then? Because they are. Did that sound a little quieter? It feels like it's going to be a little quieter. It feels like it's going to be a fairly pensive intro here. It's kind of the it's kind of what's looking likely. I just checked the dates. I haven't um, released any podcast since early July. It's been a month. The last one was with Victoria. I hope you enjoyed that. And took a necessary break. Um, necessary for a few reasons. Big changes here at Koru as far as just continuing to need to put energy into moving things forward with all of various business elements, um, but also just client relations and um, personnel changes here. Needless to say, the podcasting took an appropriate break. And I guess I've just realized as I was preparing this intro, a lot of what I feel a need to say in this intro, and I'm going to take advantage of our guest here to do so, uh, I'll explain why in a second, uh, I guess it it has been cooking <laughs> uh, for at least probably a month, early, yeah, early July for sure, maybe even before that. And it's about... It's it's going to seem like it's about COVID and the vaccines. Um, that's a I don't even know the best way to oversimplify it, but about the it's going to it's going to be about the culture, our culture, the macro challenges right now. I describe this as a rant. I just I kind of just did a warm up call beforehand with my friend Connor and. Uh, that's it's clear that I don't really rant well. <laughs> Anybody who knows me at all knows that I am normally very pensive and thoughtful and deliberate and slow in my speaking, very considerate. And and that's that's something that I consider to be strength. I value that. I'm going to keep doing that. But I also really do like ranting and um letting things just go, but Unfortunately, for the moment, I guess I kind of did that enough to get myself into this sort of centered place, if you will, or at least relatively organized place. And maybe that'll come out, maybe it won't. But I, I am, I'll be honest, I am deliberately going to try not to go too far into a, like a ranting mode. Um, so why am I allowing myself to take advantage of our guest? Well, I'll just say a few lovely words about her. First, she's my sister. <laughs> So I think she's going to forgive me <laughs> for using this opportunity 
as I often do in the intros, to, but I'll do it even more so with her, um, to just share what's been, yeah, cooking for me, what's been on my mind and what I feel is a, a necessary opening up. Uh, it's a bit of a vulnerability, but it's also, you know, these podcasts, I want to share what I what I think, but mostly that's done in the context of conversation and exploring in relationship with anyone that's around me. So I don't normally go and just say what I think in these conversations. And that's on purpose. I don't think that it's really all that. I, I, I will likely never do a show where it's just me talking. The intro is when I let that happen. And again, there's a reason for that because the relationship is what's key. So to say the conversation, the exchange, the interaction, that's the key for me. Um, so thank you, Shaylin. And as always, to whoever's listening here, you can just skip this part too if you want to just get to the show. It's a great show. And I'll say more about her and the context of our conversation in a little bit. It's kick-ass. She's kick-ass. Uh, I bet family is listening to this. Uh, certain people will be mentioned. <laughs> be warned. Not really in any negative, not in any negative way. Absolutely not in a negative way. But just in case you were wondering yes you 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 may come up mom <clears throat> and dad i mean I'm, you both probably listen and even griffin oh and of course paul one of our sponsors um okay the conversation about the vaccines and masks and viruses <sighs> I'm tired, but I'm also, I'm more sad in a way, or maybe that's not even true. There's a sense of sadness, but, and a heaviness. Here's where I should start. I am comfortably 100% Pfizered up. I got the Pfizer mRNA vaccine shortly after I qualified based, uh, based on my age. I could have gotten it before then, but I felt very, I actually chose to wait, even though I, I could have certainly qualified for it before my age was, um, totally thought it was age relevant, but I was happy to wait. Honestly, I was happy to wait because like, well, I'd like to see how this goes for people, quite frankly. I'd like to have, I, I'm, I was glad to have the time to let it breathe a little bit as much as possible which is to say i was a little hesitant not much but a little and ultimately i made the choice to just get it at this point and that was months ago obviously that was months ago at this point I don't see any, I wish I had a better word for this, but good reason not to have the vaccine. Not to partake in the, as another friend put it, experiment. Since we're being objective, and obje I value objectivity as much, if not more, than anything else. At this point, I don't see any good reason, good in quotes, good as a word that has a lot of footnotes, for not getting vaccinated. 
at the very least, the possibility of long-term effects from COVID, if you're thinking just from a purely individualistic or self-oriented attitude, the possibility of long-term side effects from COVID to me is a legitimate enough reason. Um, it outweighs to me the possibility of some sort of long-term side effect from the vaccine. Side effect in the context of, again, your body, something that could happen to just your body as opposed to a larger macro social side effect. I have a lot of friends, a lot of different kinds of people in my life who are very, who relate to this in a, basically the, the entire range, the whole spectrum, the rainbow, uh, all the flavors, they're in my life. It's not just one group, and I don't expect that will ever be the case for me. For what it's worth, that's not easy. It takes effort to be open to all the flavors in, for the most part. And it is not just empathy. Yeah, I am going to be getting into a rant here. It's more than empathy. It's not just empathy, but empathy is a word that apparently a lot of people understand, so I guess I will use that deliberately here for a moment. I think there is only one way forward here. No matter what your particular relationship with the vaccine or the virus or the masks or whatever, quite frankly, the fuck you're obsessing over. There is only one long term and it might as well kick in sooner than later solution here. And it mostly has to do with this question about relationships. What is fundamental to a healthy relationship? I've asked a lot of people and everybody actually has given the same initial answer. It's called trust. Trust is not the only thing. There's trust. Somebody said balance, understanding. Of course, empathy came up. But trust is the consistent answer across the board. I haven't asked everybody, but I've asked a lot of people. Foundation, one of the fundamentals, if not the top priority for a healthy relationship, and we can qualify, qualify what a healthy relationship means, is trust. Relationships are not simply two people. You have a relationship with yourself. For the record, I don't fully trust myself. I think that would be insane. I think that would be egotistical in a negative way, narcissistic. But I'm just pointing out that ego is not an inherently negative thing. It would be arrogant, to say the least. I, would, I don't trust myself fully at all. I do trust myself based on the choices I've made and the skills I have and the expertise that I do bring to the table and the training I've done to know how to handle most situations. Not all, but most. That's called 
I think, being mature and having grown and to some extent being strong and having a backbone and knowing to as much as we can, knowing ourselves. I don't fully trust myself, though. I don't trust my feelings all the time. I don't trust, I definitely don't trust my thoughts all the time. And I don't think you are doing <laughs> anyone a favor by thinking that you can or should, quite frankly, whoever you are. That's a universal um, consideration. I don't think it's a good idea for anybody to trust themselves fully. That seems extremely dangerous. So in the context of a relationship, trust is almost, it's not an absolute. It's a consistent, it's like a, um, it's like a glue. It's like a, um, a lubricant, if you will. It's a, it's hydration for everything to keep things together nicely and, and keep things moving smoothly together. It's like, it's an odd image, but if you clearly, if you don't have trust, there's just friction. There's just breakdown. There's no connection. There's no, the quality is essentially just dust and just decay and just brokenness. Obviously, there are relationships with institutions and concepts and systems and structures. The bottom line is if you think that other people, namely people who haven't gotten vaccinated, you as one group of people at the moment, are simply anything you're not, I don't think you're helping. And I'll, I'll point out why. We have been doing this thing called, um, <laughs> we've been thinking, there are a lot of ways you could say, it, moralistically, absolutistically, in the, like with absolutes, black and white, good and evil, right and wrong. Duality is a word people use a lot. We've been thinking that way for seemingly as long as we've been a species or as long as we've been a quote-unquote civilized species. It's not just a Christian thing. It's not just a religion thing, although it is arguably a kind of religion thing. It's not just the West or the East or the Middle East or the North or the South. It's a fairly consistent tendency. And across the board, we've seen throughout our general understanding of history, various figures who have tested the value of that tendency, of that normalcy, of that paradigm. My expertise, believe it or not, first and foremost is in the is in really the study of history, but generally history history sounds too general and vague. It's in the, specifically the understanding of stories and the uh, religious myths, 
religious stories. There's a hint of psychology that goes into that. And a lot more, especially in the last, I did a bit of, I focused on this a bit when I was getting relevant degrees, but even more so after, but neuroscience and neuroplasticity and the realities of the nervous system and what it is, what it is, what that, how it functions and how we are inherently the nervous system, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, there, Connor, that sounds like you. <laughs> and the specific piece that I want to highlight is that religious myth component. If you are operating in a black, white, right, wrong, good, evil, not this, just that, they, us. Yeah, if you're operating in that way, there is no denying that that is partly because of conditioning, partly because of stories. I don't think you can deny that. In the, in the context of what is ideal, I think we normally wouldn't be operating and thinking as a species, as a collective, in black and white terms, in right and wrong terms, in moral terms, morality if you will. We wouldn't be thinking that way normally. Is it possible for us to, I don't really like this word because I think it suggests that it's somehow like superpower or superhuman or super or a heroic capability. Is it possible for us though, I'll use the word, to transcend that tendency? Yeah, but not because of doing something fancy or becoming some sort of fucking monk or some bullshit figure that like has it all figured out or is above it all. Actually, I would say it's probably because you will get down into the mud and root down into the ground more. I think that's the idea of morality that is inherently hijacking our potential to be more actually together on the earth in a different quote-unquote paradigm. So not transcend in the sense of get above or rise above, but maybe transcend this or more accurately simply let go of certain concepts, very old ones. If that's possible, which it is, but I'll just stick with the if, when is the right time to focus on that? When is the right time, when is the ideal time to really hone in on that need? Now. <laughs> right now. It's always now. There are real threats in different contexts. And I'm not... Uh, again, I'm vaccinated, happily vaccinated. I would do it again. No problem. And I definitely do not welcome this virus into my body. 
especially because of the potential for long-term effects. But I've been talking to a lot of different people about their perspectives and their beliefs and their experiences and their fears and their concerns. And I see no way for us as a collective and as a species to truly move forward without fundamentally, primarily, mostly, if not entirely, rethinking how to have relationships with each other that are based, that are, yeah, based upon and maintained by trust. And I do not think you are helping if you are trying to convince somebody that they're stupid or they're wrong, or they're evil, or they're ignorant, or they're short-sighted, or they're selfish, etc., etc., etc. Actually, you might be doing as much harm in a particular context with respect to the ideal, and there's a distinction between ideal and idealism, with respect to what's truly possible and maybe as necessary, if not more necessary for the species, because we haven't even touched on the water levels rising. Now is the time more to be digging yourself, to be digging deeper into your tendencies to think and act in an absolutist and moralistic way. We all know that. At least I think we do. Now, I hate the phrase, the other side or both sides, but let's unpack for a second here. The general tendency to be, and I am saying general because I feel like I've done a pretty good job under, of trying to understand where certain people where the majority of people who are not vaccinated are coming from. You don't have a good reason. And that's okay. Reason is not going to be the solution here. If you have an intuition, if you have a feeling, if you have a very strong inclination, or specifically, again, a reason, especially if apparently there's a legitimacy to something about your potential um, uh, symptoms as a as having an autoimmune issue or propensity for inflammation in your body. I'm not saying people haven't, that there hasn't, that there isn't a risk to the vaccine. I'm not saying that at all. Of course people have gotten, had issues with the vaccine. I don't think that's ridiculous to claim and to see and to be pr- focusing on. But most of you don't seem to have a good reason. Mostly, you seem scared. Mostly, (laughs) you seem to be mistaking your sense of self as an individual 
for something that I think you would call divine or God or autonomous or independent. And that's something you really need to dig into more. Here's the blunt way of saying what I just said because it probably didn't make much sense. The idea of freedom and the idea of being an individual has roots in very specific religions and Christian Christianity stands out, but myths and concepts of self. Self as the be-all and end-all. Myself. And I'm a fan of Walt Whitman, who wrote the song of myself. Big fan, in fact. Got a couple copies right here. Narrowing one's identity to just oneself is unfortunate and probably a mistake. Unless you truly want to operate as just an independent individual, you need to be thinking of yourself in the context of the whole. And of course, people will say they are, and they're defending liberty and freedom because there's a potential threat to it. And I'm saying even if there is a potential threat to it, even if this moment somehow represents a potential threat or you're able to see it could be threatening in that particular way, you also need to be considering and being need to also be focusing on how to build truly good, functioning, better, evolved, long-term focused relationships on trust, built upon trust with people around you and with everyone in general, with society and culture at large. I suppose that's assuming you care about the whole. It's not about whether or not you should or should not do something, whether it's right or not, or wrong, whether it's right or wrong to do something, who's good, who's evil, is, what's the bad guy, what's the enemy, where are the angels? Where are the demons? Blah, blah, blah. Anybody operating in that kind of way is reinforcing certain 
kind of thinking and a certain kind of tendency and a certain way of operating that is simply useless in the moment here and probably in general. Again, I'm vaccinated though. This is not about what is the right... This is not about that. This is about how we need to be generally considering all of our relationships with ourself, with each other, with the whole, with the earth, with the institutions. The list goes on. And the way we are relating is the key. I'm going to leave it at that. I know I've, ran, I've gone on for a while. How long has that been? That was like half an hour. <laughs> that was not short. Um, just got to find... <laughs> Look, it's about humility, people. It's about humility. Ferocious humility is the phrase we've been using. Fierce humility. If the opposite of humility is arrogance, then please, let's think about the possibility that we're operating in ways that are inherently arrogant, and humility is a virtue that will consistently provide, I, I believe, unparalleled joy and beauty and pleasure for all of us. I'm adding the ferocious part because humility itself just sounds sort of, it just isn't enough. Because you need to be able to stand up for something at the same time. I picture it like a lion, you know, there's nothing, except for the awareness you have that a lion could kill you. Just when it's sitting there looking peaceful, it, I think it there's a humility to it. And certainly is, there's a peacefulness to it but it has this clear potential that is ferocious. All right. I did my best there. <laughs> so, we're sponsored. <laughs> I'm going to just simply list our sponsors real quick. I have a text from one who would, uh, who would like you to go watch Fantastic Fungi, Anthony Ortiz. Ortiz Art. He's one of our lovely sponsors. He's a painter in the general Bucks County area, lives on the river, River Road, and uh, I think you should commission him for a beautiful work of art. Likewise, my brother-in-law's company, Philad I don't, and of course we need to bridge from that to our lovely guest, my sister, Shailen Mensel, formerly known as Shailen Kurtz. Um, Paul's company, Philadelphia Table Company, they're the best. I have a white oak dining room table at home that is, uh, it couldn't, the room couldn't look better, <laughs> except for with another Philadelphia Table Company. Everybody always asks who built certain things here at Koru. The answer is almost always Philadelphia Table Company. Simply the best. Sorry if that's a phrase that was used in some other marketing before, but 
They are. And they're definitely the most, the best in um, specifically with regard to quality control and consideration of your needs. The specificity is the most attractive part. They care. As does Jay and the Native Cafe gang. What can you say about them? <laughs> They've got the goods, people. They've got the goods. Go check them out. Try. What do we? We love the. Admittedly, Griffin and I get a lot of egg sandwiches, bagel, egg, and cheese sandwiches, and I'm pretty happy that we do. <laughs> I'm pretty damn happy about that. You should too. You should go get one too. Those are the three sponsors for now. There will be more. And we have a lot of big shows coming up. You're going to be, this is the first of a sort of like, I guess if we had a July summer break, we're coming back strong with a lot of new material. And I opened it up with a 30-minute intro slash rant. Thank you for listening if you didn't skip ahead. Shailen Mensel. Let's just get into that. She is, in her own words, kind of like a leader in the social impact space. Uh, she's a matcha-loving, matcha-latte-loving empath and a mother of border collies. I can tell you their names. Luna is the new one, and Lonnie. Lonnie is the sweetest damn pooch I've ever met. She's been in our lives. I guess she's like my little dog niece for a long time i think at least 2015 or 14 and she's the best um luna is new i like her except for her little piranha like tendencies but what are you gonna do you know she's a puppy um she's a sweetie apparently she's driving my mom nuts but whatever she's a sweetie I guess though she is a she's quite the puppy. The other serious piece of Shaylin's biography, which she gave me a very short one, and she's being very humble because there's a lot more she could say. Um, she is a cancer survivor. I was tempted to put in some sort of quali qualifications there, but she's a cancer survivor, and. That flavors a lot of the conversation, but I'm going to add that she is an all-around gently curious and consistently um, engaged, uh, consistently engaged in her own development and everyone around her's development. And I think it's fair to say that that's more and more her truest, her real story, the story that she's bringing to the table, certainly to this conversation. She is here to teach, and she is here to show you a certain kind of power, a certain kind of strength, but without a doubt, the a, a fundamental, she's fundamentally a teacher through and through. And there's a lot to learn from her. So that's my sister. She's a motherfucking badass. Shailen Mensel. And I'm going to leave you with that because I think I've said enough. Thank you. You are the best. Ta-ta for now. Here's Shailen. Information or that I, I know something about you. Okay. Like it's not completely ignorant. Well, it's a lot of stuff. 
Right. But I am your one of your brothers, so hopefully I know a little bit. I actually think we should talk about Paul. I've been meaning to <laughs> treat this as an opportunity. An intervention. Sort of an intervention. Um, we have to talk about Paul. He's out of control. <laughs> <laughs> so you've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's over there with the in the gym right now. And he I'm thinks little, that we're doing a I'm podcast, a but it's not really. Correct. So, all right, well, you just made it easier for me. I was a little concerned that would be awkward. What? Starting? Bringing him up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for you, everyone to bring him up. Come on. Well, what are we going to do? We'll just leave him here. Okay. With the bird in the box. In the, the bird in the box, which we're going to take to, or I'll take to Ark. Yeah. <clears throat> it's exciting. One of the sponsors is is working out in the gym right now while, while we're recording. Yeah, my hubs. Your hubby. I like Paul. He's a wild man, and I like him. Dare I say I love him. <laughs> I just showed a client your picture from one of the magazines. She always asks about you. Oh, from the River House, River House magazine? Yeah, whichever one. You were in two, right? I get. I think so. I think technically we only ever you saw one, but two of them. One with a bigger picture, I believe. Oh, really? I, I believe you were in two, but I could be wrong. Hmm. We have one little tiny write-up, but yeah. not the best synopsis of our lives. But well, this woman, we have a. All of us have a lot in common with her, meaning you and uh, the Fearheries. Hmm. Because her last name is extremely similar. There's only one letter difference. Are we related? No, I don't think so. We've talked about that. Plus, she's quite old. But she had breast cancer as well. Mm. So she always asks about you. And I finally showed her a picture. She's, she's thriving. She's a lovely lady. She's thriving. I'd say so, all things considered. Yeah. Um, her son's... Uh, well, I've gotten to meet her her son, her son-in-law. I've spoken on the phone with her, da uh, her daughter-in-law. Uh, yeah, they're, they seem like they're all doing very well. Good. Yeah. She's the oldest, or one of the two oldest. She might be the oldest person I've ever worked with. Yeah. For all things considered, yeah, she's thriving. Good. Yeah. Because she shifted to a completely plant-based diet. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> These are slipping. Probably yeah, so. Yeah, you might just have to keep adjusting things. Okay. You'll get cozy. Okay. Especially with the AC on. We're all yes. set. Hashtag menopause. Menopause at 33. Well, I'm still 32. Soon in November. <laughs> yes. Well, <clears throat> does it make a big difference to say 33 or 32? Just a technicality. It feels different. To you're say very 33. Close, much closer to 35. And then you're closer to 40, which means you're basically closer to 50, which means you're essentially done. I hope not. Okay, good. To make it to 50 would be a gift given my, you know, diagnosis. <laughs> so I view that very differently now. And you sure we don't need the tissues? <laughs> yes, I'm sure we don't need the tissues. Unless you need the tissues. No, I'll just wipe it on my shirt. Okay. Even though it says, I really like this shirt. It is a nice shirt. Thank you. It's a nice color. I got it when uh, Griffin and Tony and a couple of us went up to Rhinebeck. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes, yes. A couple weeks when ago. When I got my fancy hat as well. And you got me a dish towel. 
says, yes, I eat giraffe. the shit out of plants. <laughs> I'm, yes, that is correct. Where that's from, too. I, like, I did notice that. You're doing fucking great. <laughs> I think we all are. Yeah, it's like a cornerstone here. Yes, yeah, great. You know what? You're doing fucking great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll come back to that 50 comment, but obviously that's a big, that's a big deal. I suppose a lot of people probably think that way about themselves, but your reasoning is very specific and significant. Mm-hmm. And of course, we just laid out a whole host of things. The reality of your um, more or less entire life, but specifically the last three and a half, arguably, years. And yep. becoming more focused on your, more than ever, we'll say, mm-hmm. your own personal health and the reality of how that is affected and relates to everything around you. My mm-hmm. words, of course, and you can change them. And uh, yeah, an attitude maybe of inherent positivity and optimism, or how would you word it? And a commitment to going in a new direction with your entire seemingly career path, or at least just way of engaging with the world, with the IIN yeah, step. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, oh, and Paul. Yeah, we have to and talk Paul. Paul. I think, I mean, I've always been a positive person, but I do, I am cautious of the toxic positivity, but... Like spiritual bypassing? Yeah, and like, it's funny, a lot of people... But what you wrote about, your yeah. blog post... Yeah, and I think I'm writing a post right now. One of the biggest things I've learned in the past few years is the power of and. And a lot of people will say to me, well, don't be scared, you know, just be positive. Don't be this, be that. And it drives me crazy because I can be both scared and positive at the same time, and they're not mutually exclusive, you know. So I've really... And I think a lot of people don't understand you can feel very opposite emotions at the same time. I said to Paul recently, I feel like we are living through the best and the worst parts of our life right now at the same time. We just moved to this cute little house in Bucks County on the river. We had been kind of putting it out there in the universe to find this house for a while, trying to move on from my first cancer diagnosis and then got smacked again with an even worse one this year. So the best and the worst is happening right now, which is crazy. And it is a lovely house. Um, We'll just highlight that for a moment. You are taking, um, you you do allow people to rent the room now. It is an official Airbnb. Yeah. Or is it just a B and B? The only thing remember. is, you got to watch the dogs. So it's a dog friendly. I'm B&B. a mother of border collies. But you are essentially running a and B and B at this point, right? Yeah, a lot of people, especially mom and dad, are often in and out. I. You're waiting for thinking, the invite. Um, yeah, I think I'm there fairly frequently. I am the closest, of course. Proximity-wise, but I, I think I make a good job of being there pretty regularly. Yeah. Both and is a principle, more or less what I think you just said, that I've actually learned about that in college, believe it or not, back when I was... Really? Yeah, as a concept. Not really what we're talking about, more as like an actual like paradigm, like lifestyle paradigm, like an actual mm-hmm. different way of literally... 
-hmm. being and thinking and choosing how to relate to yourself and your life and reality and others. Mm -hmm. I think either or, which is sort of the opposite of both and, is inherently the norm. And yeah. you're more or less seeing the, <laughs> the, the value of maybe mostly having an either or and a both and, because mm -hmm. paradoxically, if you were to cut off the either or, you'd be missing the ability to say no as well. That's a good point. Well, um, and I'm not making really a point of acknowledging that that's the beauty of what you said, mm -hmm. the and. You just keep having an and. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's that men's group that, um, that Paul is such a like, really active <laughs> member. <laughs> we call it wide open because the and, the and, the end is really the foundation of a different way of thinking. And wonderfully enough, you know, I've had some funky challenges, obviously not arguably comparable in some respects or in many respects, but the need to see this and and to see that no can be part of that and, mm -hmm. which obviously you can probably think of many examples where that's the case. That's what people call the boundaries, right? The healthy boundaries. That can be part of the and. Yeah. We have boundaries of steel in our house, which is new. Yeah, like Paul has all of these problems <laughs> yeah. and you love him. Yes, exactly. And you accept him. But we don't let him in the house boundary-wise, so. Yeah. Like Paul is dangerously psychotic and you <laughs> love him. <laughs> yep. Welcome him into the family, to say the least. We're talking about the guy in the gym, right? Yeah, yeah. that's Paul. That's that's our boy. Um, it's hard to ignore the book over there, even though I don't want to talk about it. But and, yeah. You can go anywhere with that. You can, yeah. I think, too, like learning extreme emotions. When I was first diagnosed with stage 2 breast cancer in 2018, I felt this really strongly when my nephew was born because I was so happy for my family. But yeah. I, yes, my, um, but I was also experiencing and looking at what probably was not going to be a reality for me. And so it was like that, it was so confusing to me to have extreme emotions, to feel so sad and so happy at the same time. So that was when I really started exploring wait, can't these exist together then? Because they are. So, uh, they always asking will. why, yeah, and I mean, most of adulthood is unlearning and deconditioning yourself. So, that's been a big part of mine is accepting that they, mo you know, I even think like a vacation. You know how you like don't want it to end, so you're so sad, but you're so happy. There's simple things like that, and I think I never really understood. I was always like, well, why do I feel this way about certain things? And now I'm just like, because I do. Hmm. Yeah. It may very well be the most important tool we could teach children and mm -hmm. and learn as we mature. And, and as you're, you call it unlearning, and I think it's also fair to call it healing. Because if yeah. you want to consider it a as a potentially like, like foundational way of being like this both and, or you just said and attitude and awareness begs the question for me of like, well, why don't we just learn that as kids? That's the tornado warning. Wait, we I have think. a tornado warning. <laughs> yeah. So we can be recording and worried about it's a tornado. tornado. <laughs> yeah, let's Look, read it. This is amazing. No, it's funny. Yeah. The, 
Tornado warning in, in this area. Nothing can stop this podcast. Six fifteen. It has been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're okay. I spoke with Tad and Griffin actually a little bit ago, and we were joking about. Yeah, you know who wants them to go in the basement, but yeah, <laughs> mom. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> she'll probably listen to this. She definitely uh, will. She's uh, waiting to be brought up. Hi, mom. Oh, she. Yeah, she's definitely cute. waiting. I think it'd be good for all of us to do this. Um, it's a very unique kind of... Well, anyway, we'll get to the macro as we go and the fact that we're brother and sister and what does that really mean for us to be having these conversations together and that we couldn't have years ago uh, for many different reasons. Um, but more back to what I was just saying before the the funky phone thing. Um, yeah, why can't we just teach that inherently and that and that's obviously a less personal question a more general question but i'm i think we can what do you think yeah i think we should oh here we go again <laughs> I'll, tu- I'll turn it off it's probably mine too uh it is yours <laughs> oh it's mine now well all right we can just right. enjoy it yeah it's nice background music. noise um we should teach it and i yeah I think also, Paul and I were talking about last night, this is totally different of what we should teach, but can we stop asking kids what they want to be when they grow up? It's not even a new point. I mean, yeah. It is literally John Lennon's whole philosophy. For yeah, it's not was... new, but we don't listen. <laughs> I think we're starting. <laughs> I do. I think our generation is really starting to listen to that. Well, but we I still all even do hear... with regard to Griffin. Yeah, that's true. I think true. we all do that. That's true. Um. We've yeah. all raised him or helped raise him in a lot of respects. And I don't think he has that kind of confusion. He has other ones, more physiological, I'd say. <laughs> He's very confident in who he is. It's great. His his thinking capacity is mm-hmm. obnoxiously unique it's ridiculous. and impressive. Yeah. yeah. It's obnoxious. Yeah. And to that point, he sees these things that when we were 10 weren't even on our minds and because nobody was representing it he sees the quite frankly the absurdities and the uncanny elements of what we consider to have been norms or what we believe and don't realize why why do we believe that and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth he just sees it like that and it is obnoxious believe me and you've technically never lived with it Mm -hmm. (laughs) it is hard not to see the silliness with a, someone like that. And I'm sure we're all partly to blame for his capacity <laughs> to do that. But it is it is mostly, yeah, a really good reflection of the, the fact that, yeah, well, that is odd that we've thought that way and, and created a culture that way. And, and what is that worldview about? Does it truly even serve much if not merely to just help us see an extreme because i think it is inherently extreme like to have such a it basically is black and white you can call Mm -hmm. it lots of different things a black and white point of view most of the time is is a kind of odd it doesn't really make a lot of sense Mm -hmm. um and to know that and have breast cancer is the obvious f- real profundity of this moment. It's the fucking... Why? Well, because clearly you know people can 
Because you're not uh, presenting yourself as just worried and just scared and just hmm. all of these things that might be more predictable. Mm-hmm. You're re- reorganizing your whole world during all of this. Mm-hmm. Not just with yeah. eating more plants. <laughs> well, I think there's so much conditioning around that we believe in cancer and the stigmas and what we picture it as. Um, and so, so it does make me proud to say, well, this is what it can look like. And it doesn't need to be as scary and big and bald as we all think. Um, bald, you said? Yeah. yeah, yeah you like, never lost any. I never lost any of my hair. That, that's um, mostly because of the technology you used, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did um, cold cap therapy during chemo, which is probably most people don't know. Um, wearing this giant hat on your head, it looks like a big blueberry. And you, not all of them look like that, but the one I used, you freeze it to like negative 40 degrees um, for about 10 hours during your infusion day. And it freezes the hair follicles so the chemo can't get to them. Um, and I lost barely any hair at all. And I was supposed to be bald after the first one. Hmm. So, um, which was a big part in my healing, actually. Um, but I did come up against people in terms of doctors and stuff resisting that. Kind of like I was ridiculous for wanting to keep my hair which made me want to keep it in even more. So like my one oncologist said, well, I know one person who did it, but she's a model, so she needs her hair. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. And then I walked into my second uh, chemo appointment and his mouth was on the floor because he told me it wouldn't work and it would hurt too much. So he's singing a different tune now. But That statement there about she needs her hair Mm -hmm. to me and that's what makes this also not this like your um particular your personal journey but this kind of learning fun is like griffin i can see like that is such that is like there's nothing true about that Mm -hmm. there's almost literally nothing true about that it's a complete belief there's it's all subjective but that's exactly the norm is to just think and speak with almost absolute subjectivity and no consideration for whether or not wait, this is actually true. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, she needs her hair as in a particular context on that scale, but it's not true that she needs her hair more than you or anyone else, obviously but that is a normal kind of thing to think and to say and to believe. And we have those kinds of moments all the time. Mm-hmm. And what's well, that at least conversation that I wrote about recently. And well, you're doing, you know, like what does hair matter in the scheme of it? When it actually matters a lot <laughs> <laughs> and not having any control over what's going on. I looked in any way I could take back my narrative. And that was one strong way I really did it. Um, and it also brought a lot of healing for, I think, my parent, our parents, and Paul and my mother-in-law who helped me because it was a lot of work. So, yeah, I think it's just women in general. Like, it just reminded me about comments that he made, like, you know, just 
shut up and smile, you know, that kind of thing. It's not, you know, you don't need to do that, even though it was something that helped me. So. Yeah. Mostly we seem to not be aware of the fact that we're operating like we know something and we don't. Yeah, I heard on a podcast today. <laughs> I could say that in a more succinct way, but what did you hear? And it kind of was like, whoa, yeah. It just resonated with me so much. And it said, don't give directions to somewhere you've never been. Yeah, which is pretty much literally almost, almost every moment. Yeah, and I feel that all of the time, like people telling me. I mean, because I can't what really do. relate, especially. I mean, my situation's extreme, but no one in my life knows anything really about what it's like to walk this path and but they still want to tell me how to do it and I'm like you know I mean for the people know that I don't want to hear it but yeah stay in your lane yeah and I'm I'm not trying to take away from the specificity of your obviously you're here we're talking because we're talking about these things because of you and I think part of my tendency is always gosh isn't that fascinating how that's such a uniquely general challenge that you'd have to be dealing with regardless of this because it's mm -hmm. something that everybody's struggling with this is the universality of our confusion like and I think that our specific um, upbringings are good indicators of where this comes from and not not that our upbringings are unique for most people's but mm -hmm certain aspects of it that uh, we may or may not get into, but just the point that you said about, like basically you don't really know where things are going, yet how many people really operate with that acceptance of not knowing where they're going? <laughs> oh, that's a very, you have to learn how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> takes daily practice, yeah. Until it and doesn't. And you have to Until be willing. Until it can't, you have to be willing. Yeah. I actually think it, is the most important skill at this point, which is largely what you meant by the and, and it's exactly what you seem to be representing. I think, you know, with regard to the book, um, I, I'm calling it continuity, maintaining that awareness of the, of the more or less the newness of reality, the constant unpredictability, unknowability, the fact that it's going to be something that you can't plan for, that's John Lennon again, mm -hmm. that you can't know for sure, and ultimately that you really ought not to want to, if you think more about it. I, I believe that could be the, the most liberating in general thing for the civilization, mm -hmm. and you seem to have essentially found that in arguably one of the hardest ways. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's the art of surrender. I don't know if I like the word surrender that much because it's not really... I think like allowing. Like allowing, yeah, that's good. Like you're not laying down and whatever happens to me, but... I like allowing because it's more physiological. Yeah, I think allowing is good. It's surrender less, still it's less, has less that war. martyr bullshit to it. <laughs> and war. Yeah, yeah, like an enemy, exactly. Mm -hmm. Surrender still sounds like a battle, yeah. I give up. Oh, well, no, yeah, no. and allowing is kind of signaling your participation in it instead yes. of surrender yeah yes there's a will mm -hmm. yeah like you said you have to want to mm -hmm. you think paul would be okay with us you know teaching him this so that he'll stop he'll stop <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yes, he's working on it. Well, I think to the joke earlier, or not, well, to, you know, to reflect on this joke with what we were saying earlier, I, I bet it, I think, you know, the one recent conversation he had when we were walking, he and I had walking on the canal, I think this is his attraction to Buddhism, and it is what I'm talking about when I say Taoism. It's more directly sort of um, foundational to Buddhism, or Taoism, excuse me. A lot of what we're talking about is actually mm-hmm. quite Taoist, even though you don't, but I still wouldn't say you have to think and be a Taoist. No, think, like, but you can learn a lot from it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just like what we were saying about Paul and Buddhism. Um, and it's also, I think, the fun. Yeah, it's so teachable. You have so much you're teaching. How many blog posts have you written now in this general subject, on this general subject? Just a few. I need to. It's hard to get yourself to. I have to be in a space where all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, okay, this is what I need to write about. And it just will come out in 10 minutes and then that's it. So Was I it hardest because be you're sort of in the thick of it and you didn't, as you said, necessarily expect to still be in the thick of it? Is that, an act, is that correct, what I just said? I never expected to be thrown back into it. Um, I guess I feel I'm moving, I'm finding a way to view the thick of it differently. Um, But yeah, I think having the space to really reflect in that way is is difficult right now. Yeah, Yeah, and understandably so, completely predictably. And I'm, I didn't expect to want to try to like convince you of anything. It just occurs to me the power of what you're describing is almost so much more obvious while like knowing you have to still quote unquote have a sense of yourself as in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. And you've used both slapped back into it and um, pushed or you, you've used a couple different phrases of for not, not forced, but thrown. Thrown, yeah, slapped and thrown. I think, well, mm-hmm. who the hell knows when that's going to stop? Because <laughs> you're not doing what you did years ago. You're now, you're not doing any of those same uh, protocols, right? Well, it's different now. Um, I mean, since with being re-diagnosed and now I have a metastatic reoccurrence, um, so I have some lesions on my spine, my pelvis and my shoulder blade and it's actually different they don't go right to chemo or anything but I learned through my first diagnosis I think I already had this in me I already was doing this but now I'm like whoa this came back or if it was always here we just didn't know what was missed and it just became so apparent to me now that this is on me and I'm going to heal. And I kind of view everybody who works on my team, which is a lot of people now, um, as my consultants. So I have my Western med docs and I don't ask them anything about nutrition or supplements because they have no clue. So I ask them about trials and the medication I should be on. And I totally value um, Western medicine as a great place, but there's a lot of holes. And... I am lucky enough to have the resources and the knowledge to know how to fill those holes. So 
there's a guilt there for people who don't, for sure. Um, you feel. Okay. Yeah, because I... I'm very aware that I'm a white educated person and I know how to, okay, well, I can't get this from my Western med doc. So I went to a naturopath. I went to functional med. Now I'm very heavily working with functional medicine. Um, I started listening and absorbing anything I could on nutrition, meditation, what I, basically everything I do on a spiritual, emotional and physical level so that I'm in alignment to heal. Um, but I'm lucky to be able to do that. And I'm very aware of that. You know, a lot, I think most people kind of just still have that yes doctor mentality. Um, well, that's a perfect example of the and. Yeah. I mean, what's a better example truly than, and one that's <laughs> could not be more poignant hmm. in a lot of context right now. Yes to what you called Western medicine and mm -hmm. conventional medicine and m the, yeah, medical approach, the, you know, yes to that and yes to whatever else you need to learn from. Mm -hmm. It's not a complicated point, but it is seemingly needed and it is a necessary reminder and it is apparently hard to remember that you can have that. And it's one of the most mm -hmm. obvious points. I literally just went to an orthopedic surgeon this morning. Literally. You didn't <laughs> tell me that, but for what? Your knee? It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's irrelevant. It's just because I'm curious about, mm -hmm. I wanted to get an x-ray. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's how you get it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And learning from the x-ray is great. I'm not going to get an x-ray by going to hang out at the acupuncturists. Mm -hmm. I wanted an x-ray. I'm also going to get acupuncture. This is not complicated stuff. And this is exactly what you're saying, just with... And it's not expecting to get what you need from any one person. And I think we just think like, oh, I have this. I'll just go to my primary or this. And most of the time, they're not going to have the answer. I mean, I'm still healing from chemo that ended in 2018. And... That's I, normal though, right? It is normal, but... there And I have a lot of gut issues. I finally got a diagnosis and now I'm on my way to healing with my functional med doc. Um, You're just eating cold cauliflower, right? Yeah. <laughs> Putting just all the frozen, veggies in my smoothie. Just frozen cauliflower. Uh, you just snack on it like yeah, it helps a lot. candy, right? Yep. So I forget what I was saying. You were listening. Sorry, I'm an ass. You were listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, you are healing from the chemo. Your gut issues, oh, obviously. Oh, yeah, and I... Or what you, well... Yeah, you're calling them gut issues, but did they, yes. is that something that got triggered from the last three years? Yeah, it started oh, okay. in 2019, a few I'm months sorry. after I, I finished. I thought you already were dealing with them, so. Yeah, so no, it was, it was because my gut got destroyed during chemo, and then now I have this bacteria, but it wasn't caught, and I went to, I can't even tell you how many doctors last year, how many tests and this whole time it was just a simple diagnosis and it took how many doctors for me to get one and to know how to heal it. So I think, I kind of forget what my point was here, but it's kind of like I the, went to all my- You training. learned that from a different, a, a, so to speak, non-conventional yeah. avenue, right. functional medicine, right? Yes, but yeah. I could have learned this easily from uh, conventional. 
like they, it's not like a crazy thing to have. Um, it's actually probably pretty common, but could have if they knew to look, or could have, or if they listened to me better, probably. You know, like it's almost the same problem. Though. Yeah, and they, yeah, and they did some testing, but if they just did the other test, they would have found it. And so, and I was very conscious last year because I'm so conscious of what gut health does. I said, I'm really getting scared here because. I don't want to have a recurrence, and I do wonder if that's why I did. So, fuck. Yeah. I mean, I'll never know. So, I try not to think about that, but there is some like anger there towards some of my medical team that, you know, it was very like, okay, well, you have some gut issues, but at least you're not dead kind of mentality. Um, it doesn't paint a very pretty picture. It doesn't, no. And but I have fired a lot of those people on my team. <laughs> and you'd need to do that. Yeah. And you're obviously not coming at it like, fuck Western Med, it's all bullshit. Mm. Just go drink your wheatgrass and never listen to doctors. Obviously, that's not what you're saying. No, I just... And that would be the either yeah. or mentality that is so I just got way smarter about finding the right doctors and... That's the sound, but I want... You got smarter. Yeah. <laughs> and finding, I mean, I had a whole team of men, you know, going through breast cancer and your whole team is men is just not enjoyable. And um, I, I have a pretty much all woman team now and there's empathy and there's no elephants in the room. You know, we just talk about stuff and, you know, I have, there's a new study that just came out in Chicago about this new drug that treats specifically what I have to my bones and, um, you know, bringing that to my doctor, what do you think? And she, it's like, okay, I'm going to get on the phone with them and see what I can learn about this. So it's just finding the right doctors for you, um, but not expecting to get the answers from any one doctor or any one avenue you're looking at. It's a lot of work. Yeah, and you've not had to do it on your own, as you point out, so there is that gratitude. I think talk, you know, eventually mentioning that guilt point, if you want to talk about that, but I also the smartass in me also wants to point out that, yeah, we need to figure out what to do about men. <laughs> <laughs> we do. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, yeah, I'm kidding because, you know, it's hard not when you say that to think like, yeah, there are a lot of examples and I can think about it. I can I can definitely think of some examples of what she's saying with respect to like, yeah, that woman was definitely more uh, in that context of doctor patient relationship. She definitely seemed like she was listening better. I can also think the opposite, though. And obviously we can think of both. It's not mm -hmm. like it's one or the other just in the context of breast cancer it certainly makes a lot of sense that a woman would be a little bit better at thinking this through yeah or relating mm -hmm. pretty obvious um is there anything really to that guilt i mean it, i think you're smart and it seems let me not say this in a patronizing way it seems like you probably i've heard you talk about that before like you mm -hmm. know that's not really Fair I don't to know yourself. If it's, yeah, maybe guilt's not the right word. It's me being lighting a fire and me to move towards that maybe in career path or whatever of how can I 
yeah, you're, reach people you've in a way. So yeah, and I so much knowledge that I can help. I mean, I think I'm the person that I was looking for. <laughs> I still am. And so I know I can be that for other people and finding a way that's to share that in a way that people want the information and, you know, and that's a big part of it too. A lot of people aren't ready for it. And a lot of people don't in all contexts, want to do the work. True. It's a lot of work to heal. Um, so you had to be full in. And I think when I wa when I met with my functional medicine doctor, it was almost like she interviewed me because she was like, I'm not taking you on if you're not ready for this. Um, and I think a lot of people aren't. Or let that. me just try this this pill first because it's easier. And right now I'm working on healing my gut. And I, I have to admit it is. Sometimes I want to be like, just give me the antibiotics. Um, but I know that's just going to cause other issues and I need to be patient. So. Yeah. Sounds like there's a humility that is forming. That, hmm. in, I mean, that in an extremely positive way. I think we all could use a lot more humility, to say the least, which helps you maintain that kind of both and attitude, actually, because you don't jump to any particular kind of conclusion or ending. Mm -hmm. um, this is a strange question. I don't know if I've ever asked anybody this one, but it's so obvious that it seems relevant with you. Can you imagine any, can you think of anything, if you had to guess what else there is to learn, could you guess? And the weirdness of that is like, hey, can you say what you know you don't know yet? <laughs> hmm. um, and I can give you examples, but I think that would be stupid. Um, but it seems like you obviously have so much and I know you're figuring out how you're going to mm -hmm. essentially be of service with this mm -hmm. for. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of gifts that come with getting a serious diagnosis or life changing, whatever. And it's a gift and a curse because you kind of, the veil's been lifted for you and you live on the other side where some people still live on this side. Um, but it's and it's interesting and actually frustrates me a lot when I still struggle with ego driven things like comparison or self pity, um, things like that. So that's what I'm still working on learning. Um, and then it makes me laugh because I'm like, who cares? Like, look what's going on in your life. And it kind of centers me, but. There is still ego-driven stuff like in career or, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that's where I still have to go to learn. I don't know if that answers your question. Sure. Yeah. I suppose a – yeah, it's a great answer. Ego is a, it's a seemingly ubiquitous concept that people care to understand better. Mm-hmm. Nutrition is a good example of something that you've obviously been paying more attention to or the reality that you need to you, – there's a lot to learn in terms of how to take care of your your mm -hmm. organs and your metabolic system and uh, quote-unquote be healthy from the inside out and all of those things. Mm -hmm. I suppose a different component, which I guess that was the easiest way to say it, is 
what about from the outside in? I'm guessing there's quite a bit there as well. Um, and that could, I could give examples, but again, I think mm-hmm. you're talking a lot about inside out. You're talking about my state of mind, uh, literal again, met- metabolism, metabolic system, then gut. Um, I suspect, and I, I guess I also kind of know this cause I know you, but giving you the, the opportunity to just think about it and think out loud about it. Like what are some things from the outside in mm-hmm. that if, if anything jumps out? That I struggle with still? Or no, no, that you've learned a lot about and, or could, or continuing to learn about. Well, I will say the one thing to answer your other question that I'm still learning about is people not growing with you and how to keep them in your life even though you kind of have moved past where they are. It's very challenging. I think Paul and I are working on that a lot because we still love, you know, a lot of, we still love these people or that, you know, I'm thinking about right now, but we've kind of moved past the conversation in a lot of ways and how to still have strong relationships when you can't relate really. Um, so that was where we were struggling, but feeding myself from the outside in boundaries for sure. Um, I have no problem saying no. And that takes from someone who went to 13 years of Catholic school. It takes a lot of freaking work. (laughs) I have shame and guilt embedded into my soul. Um, but I don't feel guilty now and I realize people's disappointment or reactions if I say no to something, um, that's not, that's their problem, not mine. But also at the same time, always, I will always show up for people. Um, I will never not show up, but I, I might not show up in a way that you want me to. Thank you. I think that's a great answer. This rain is beautiful, isn't it? It is, yeah. No tornado, just needed. rain. We'll keep an eye out for the tornado. <laughs> <laughs> it's pouring, yeah. We don't have a basement here, so I guess we'll just run into some closet. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's in your soul. I think it's I think it's exactly what you're doing. You're healing, you're purging that mm-hmm. just as much yeah, as anything Yeah, maybe else. not anymore. You've literally described how you're changing that. Mm-hmm. It it's just requires awareness. Mm-hmm. Well, I think in a way what you mean by it is worth considering. It sounds like it is actually just a kind of good goodness that can look like consideration, that can look like you know, maybe a more balanced version of what you're referring to from those 13 years. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know what a martyr looks like or the figurative martyr. And that's if that's a kind of excess that is clearly unattractive the other side would be unattractive in lots of ways as well i think it just sounds like you're balancing for the sake of healing which mm-hmm. is a pretty good lesson very relatable i would say yeah and also learning that i can only show up in a way that i am proud if i'm doing all the things i need to do on my side of the street so well and it's a literal psychological there's it's so much of this comes to me. Everything relates on some level to um, our nervous system, mm-hmm. and 
you're just changing the again back to the original point you made about and you're just changing the actual way of relating which is to say yeah i can i'm still there for you just mm-hmm. i don't need to be there for you in that way <laughs> yeah. we still have a relationship even though we quote unquote don't relate in those ways i can still there's still something it's just changed yeah but it can feel like abandonment to other people i think which is where you do need to uh, and and do i suspect have that capacity to just accept boundaries and Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah i think i I definitely know what you're talking about i definitely know what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i guess that would be a very tough one but it's a great example of the outside in i was also thinking about environmental stuff that you and Mm -hmm. paul seem to have so clearly um paid more attention to and and have always cared about but there's something about where you've moved to that seems fairly significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we lived in Philly, I don't know, 10 years, almost a decade. And Sounds about right. After my first... We can trace it back to my girlfriends. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Your timeline of your, my life is your girlfriends. Um, and we won't. All right, we'll go on. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who your girlfriend was when we moved there. I can't even think... Of who it was. Um, yeah. Yeah, and recently moved. I just wanted to be surrounded by nature. And now we live on the water and lots of trees and big yard for the dogs to run around. So it's a huge difference. Um, and I think if I was living in an urban environment and got the news of my di- re-diagnosis, I don't know how we would be faring mentally, actually. So I think it's been... A savior in many ways that we moved. Yeah. I don't want to go backwards in any conversation, but it is so obvious to me that that's a reflection of, again, the same kind of like Western medicine and conventional mm. medicine versus what you, I don't like the terms alternative, holistic whatever um Mm -hmm. functional even like it's not these terms are inherently just like unfortunate and create more of that either or thinking just i'll just put the words in your mouth and you tell me if i'm wrong clearly you cannot heal sitting in a particular kind of bed in a particular kind of room with particular noises and particular um uh pollutants in the air Mm -hmm and no natural light and (laughs) um literal plant life and um the feeding that goes on with seeing actual earth and experiencing i mean Mm -hmm. least of all your animals happily running around and, and being themselves like clearly the capacity to heal in the one versus the other is pretty damn obvious yeah an extreme when you think, I mean, you can picture both of our houses. Um, well, you had a beautiful home. I'm was, pointing out yeah, more but just the, even like a hospital bed in a city or wherever. Oh, gosh, a, yeah. No, when I had surgery um, to have my double mastectomy, the second I could get out of that hospital bed, I did. They said, if you can walk, you can go home. And so I threw my legs over the side. I could barely lift my body up. But 
Yeah, it's so true. You need to. Yeah, and again, I don't want to put anything, any words or thoughts in, in your mouth or your head. I think it's just so wonderful that what you're, and why we're able to have this conversation, which, you know, for anybody who doesn't know us is a pretty unique thing to be doing, to say the least. You're so obviously re um, pointing to the fact that uh, it's not complicated to see how there's value in both. And let's, mm -hmm. let's let this one be good for what it's good for. Let this one be good for what it's good for and not get confused about this. It's, it's straightforward. And I think it's just, I mean, I think I th thought, and I think it's a lot of conditioning. Well, I, I got to be in the city for career and stuff like that. And then COVID happened and we'd actually already started looking to move. And I knew these are the things I need. I need to near, near water, I need to be near water, I need to be in nature. And those things just kept coming up. And um, then COVID, it was like, the whole world's changing now, so. And I'm gonna make it work and figure it out, but this is where I need to go, so. I'm still figuring it out, but. Well, if I'm not mistaken, what you've acknowledged is the fact that that's never gonna stop. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's very, <laughs> see, it's exhausting. No, I, comp yes, it can be, but I think I think you know, or I think it's exhausting to you because of the, um, you know, the high stakes. And they're high mm -hmm. stakes for so many people in so many different ways. But what's well, so impressive. I think we all are living in high stakes. We are. But I just. Yours are. Have the gun to the back of the head, high stakes. Yeah. Like and I can feel it, so. It makes it easier to make decisions. Yeah, it's very clarifying, kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there are a lot of ways that your priorities can just be really clear mm -hmm. from a certain situation. But I guess in a way what I was acknowledging, hopefully, is that, and of course this is totally hypothetical for you, but it doesn't have to be work eventually. Thank you know, hopefully, you know. Mm -hmm. pray for that it doesn't have to be exhausting like the co the concept that this is always going to be hard work the the learning ideally that that isn't the case mm -hmm. it's the case right now but ideally it isn't i mean that's my perception of for everyone but certainly for mm -hmm. you ideally eventually it's not exhausting yeah well a lot of things are just second nature now that weren't um I think I think my New Year's resolution in I don't know if it was 2019 or last year was no expectations. It's not really I don't really like resolutions. We've talked about that before, but and I think I started it months before. But I was I think I don't know. That's the timeline where I remember thinking no expectations. And Paul, I remember was like, "Geez, you're like having a great time during this Christmas," and I think it sucks. And I was like, I literally expected nothing from it, so. I remember it was great. that. I don't remember if it was the um, end of 2020 or the end of 2019. Yeah. I, I think it was 2019. Definitely, because it was pre-COVID. Oh. And yeah, that, I was like, because I didn't expect anything from it. But that is a hard thing to always 
to never have an expectation. Um, like even when I just had my latest scan, trying to have no expectation there, but obviously wanting to see if all my hard work was paying off, um, which it is. But yeah, it's hard. That's something I'm working on too still. But having no expectations in regards to people, I'm getting much better at. Um, and I think I struggled with that for a long time, especially in my 20s. Well, it's not an absolute, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's a cons it's a tool. It's the it's the Buddhist thing that we were talking about mm -hmm. with Paul. It's what they call non attachment. But like everything, if it's an, if it was an absolute, it would absolutely be relevant. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, I, I would imagine you expect a lot from certain people, and you damn well should. That's true. Or else true. there's really no. Yeah, I that's do, a good and point. I would keep I mean, it that are, way for me. Yeah, there are certain people. Um, but I, I think a, going through a cancer experience is the hardest part is it's very, very lonely. And people don't really – I think when I was first diagnosed, there was expectation over who was who I thought would step up and, you know, be checking in on me and things like that. And for the most part, I was dead on with who did and who didn't. Yeah, who, actually, who really fucked up? <laughs> you know who you are. No, <laughs> but I think that's really started because it's, it's so sad and disappointing. But then I kind of, empathy is like my superpower, but also my Achilles heel, I will say. And I am able to say, understand why some people didn't step up and have empathy for it, which is kind of insane. But... Um, no, it's not insane. It's, yeah. a, it's a true like, power. It's a superpower. Oh, but I understand they don't have, you know, the emotional intelligence or um, this is too scary for them or something, you know, something along those lines and understand it in a way and then accept it. Um, and to be, that is starting to look like tornado sky yeah. or at least more so, but, and to be even more just blunt about it, like a lot of times, and this is not, necessarily this is could relate back to your ego um topic people are having a tough time in their own way and they mm -hmm. don't even think it's hard to stop and think about others a lot of the time That's if you're inherently true. yeah it's really it is kind of shifting out there if you're inherently you like in your in a in neurological terms it's called a sympathetic state or fight or flight mode, you're, which can happen in a mm -hmm. second in this culture. You, know, you turn the wrong way. Mm -hmm. You get in a car almost every day, most people, and that is a largely fucked up thing to do if you really think about it and something that inherently is kind of mm -hmm. life or death almost literally, uh, and we don't even think about it but we are still we're not conscious of it but it still is there in our mm -hmm. in our nervous system it's not you know that's a that's a minor example but then you add the everything you're describing and <laughs> and more on a psychological level like um identity crises or uh, economic or financial instability for oneself or fears mm -hmm. of 
uh, all of the things that are um, pretty normal. Like, am I a failure? Am I not good enough? Am I doing enough? Did I do that right? It's like, oh, and then I also forgot to think about or act on mm-hmm. or reach out to Shaylin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. that's, that is empathy. And that's what makes you consistently so attractive as you do that. Mm-hmm. But it's it can be very lonely because... And that's where I think I really started working on expectations because I think I had an expectation that people would show up for me and how I would always show up for them, which is not, which is not possible because they're not me. (laughs) So I bet it's also lonely because it is, it is an excellence you, there is an excelling component that you're describing. You are Mm -hmm. exceptional in a lot of ways. Mm. Thank you. I well, yes. I mean, mm. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily. Of course, yes. That's a. That's. I'm glad you heard that as a compliment. Um, but I was also acknowledging that that can trigger the loneliness. Mm-hmm. Well, I think yeah, too, and just <laughs> it's a compliment, and it's almost people. Something I've really had to learn is you know people complaining or acting like something that I would view as a non-problem as a problem and it's kind of like well maybe their capacity to hold you know things happening to them is so much smaller than mine i forget what the quote is you know what i'm talking about like my plate's a lot bigger and i can you know i have the ability to hold a lot more on my plate but somebody else might just have a little paper plate and recognizing who you know even just putting one marble on that more marble on that paper plate for them might so i try and really could be the difference between making it out the door and having a panic attack Mm -hmm. or you know the power going out and that's it whereas i think that's a big blessing of experience like this i can laugh at most ridiculous things that happen in my life um that are inconvenient like you're just kind of you start to see the humor in it and that is probably part of your healing and it it again i don't think that the guilt is in your like dna because i don't think you could continue to mm-hmm. smile at that and see the humor in that and laugh about that if you truly felt guilty i think it's actually again part of the whole and that you laid out very nicely in the beginning which is you can see how people are struggling in their respective ways with regard to their respective stories and what they're mm-hmm. learning and the um, the challenges they may or may not have consciously created for themselves. And fundamentally, you can enjoy you. Mm-hmm. You can have both. You mm-hmm. can do both. You can be both. It doesn't. It would be ridiculous if that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. And I think it's. And again, these are such yeah. simple points. Yet to the overall significance like you said of a gun figuratively being held to your head simple yet not easy simple yet does take work Mm -hmm. for now i just think hopefully it doesn't have to for all of us (laughs) my hope is that it doesn't take work the more of us that learn what you're describing well i think that's why it takes so much work because living intentionally is not um natural to us or it the maybe norm, is not the norm. no it is natural once you let it but 
there's so much conditioning and layers of that that you need to peel back and question. And yeah. I don't think most people even know what to question or that they're not living intentionally. Um, I mean, it, the signs are there with anxiety and depression and all of that, but yeah, I don't think people or people don't are too busy to. Yeah. And that's why you can be such a powerful person because you've like, everybody shuts up when it's like, I've, I have breast cancer or I'm a cancer. I was like, Oh wait, I should shut the fuck up and listen to this person. <laughs> <laughs> like your, your street cred just goes way the fuck mm -hmm. up. And that's what's so cool about you sharing everything you're sharing is like, yeah. And you don't have to hopefully go through something that severe. Like mm -hmm. if you just let yourself listen, if you just tune in and listen and that's why, yeah, you're, you're learning something that you're hoping, I imagine going to be teaching. That's probably, uh, again, we talked about your upcoming, uh, it's almost a month away. Yeah. Uh, endeavors. Mm -hmm. It's not the only piece of the puzzle, but generally speaking, this all looks like you're learning. Of course, I'm not oversimplifying, or I'm not trying to oversimplify anything. It's just there's so much that you're obviously learning, and it seems like you're reveling. That's not the right word. You're noticing that there's obviously value in it that you could teach. And these yeah. are the steps you're taking. And it's interesting. I mean, I know you're talking about that I'm going to go to Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And my main reason for wanting to do it, which is funny because I actually considered doing it right out of college, but I thought, who, who would listen to me? But now I feel like, shut up. I have stuff to say. Um and I, I wanted to do the program to just continue learning to how to heal my own body. But now, who knows, maybe I'll use it to help others as well. Um, so we'll see. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, too, and back, if we were kind of talking about comparative suffering and... Um, in loneliness and I think some people think well I didn't want to bother you with that um which really annoys me because just because my trauma is viewed as extreme or large doesn't mean I can't show up for you in your trauma or that anything that I'm going through takes away from what someone else is going through like there's room for both it's that and conversation but I, so I get really annoyed when people, you know, friends are like, well, I didn't want to bother you with that. Like, it doesn't make anything in your life trivial just because you view something in my life as big. Yeah. Assumptions tend to mm -hmm. not <laughs> be yeah, worth they it. They suck. <laughs> yeah. Huh. And obviously, then again, you empathize with it. Because there's a consideration element that's there too. It's not just a well. Part of that as well is not taking it personally. Those four agreements are valuable for a reason. Mm -hmm. Huh. By the way, that was me just making sure that the person who's going to be coming in doesn't interrupt us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, which seemed valuable, even though it could be funny. What do you think? 
IIN will, hmm. Yeah, what do, you, well, what do you expect to get out of it? There's an expectation, I hope. This is a potentially legitimate one. It's very simple just to learn how to, like, I want to know that I came at this from every single angle and I'm determined to heal. And so why wouldn't I go to school for that and learn? Um, I mean, I'm learning and teaching myself. It happened kind of naturally that I was like, hmm, I feel like this is something I should do because I feel like I already know a lot of probably what the curriculum is going to teach just from self-teaching. Um, so, yeah, just a new avenue and perspective on healing probably. It'll probably just be about fantastic fungi. <laughs> Which we have yet to watch. <laughs> but I do eat a lot of mushrooms now. Well, I do know Dr. Weil was relevant to IIN at some point. And he's a minor character in Fantastic Fungi. And in childhood, because Dad used to oh my gosh, have yes. his books. And I always thought them. he was weird for having his books. Which was probably my, my conditioning even back then kicking in, but... Yeah, let's talk about how much of a brat you were. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about how much of a bossy cow you were. I think that's. I think we're about there in this conversation. We've gotten through enough of yeah, the yeah. the um the bullshit. Now let's get into how much of a bossy little shit you were as a kid. They say I was bossy. <laughs> I had to be bossy. Youngest, youngest of two brothers. Uh, we're we're ready for part two now. The 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 real nitty-gritty family stuff comes out mostly kidding but it could be funny remember when i used to sleep on the ground that was fun right what do you mean seriously at christmas no i used to sleep outside oh <laughs> yeah the tent yeah it went not even with the tent sometimes yeah yeah and so you thought dad's dr wild was tough remember that that was tough i know time in our in our household <laughs> and in our relationship yes very yeah well i learned a lot though i learned a lot of important things yeah i think we all our whole family did right oh yes well what do you mean i meant i might have meant something different oh. but what did you mean well, what did you mean i meant in that context of those years when I was uh, very odd and unrelatable. I was, I learned a lot. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, of course you did. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And I think we all Check. learned, <laughs> we all learned from you being odd. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Good. And we checked that off. Remember Paul? <laughs> Hope he's all right in there. I hope he showered. A sweaty monster. He's very sweaty. He's sweat problems. I should have asked him to take the bird over. I'm still gonna have to do that at some point. Oh, he wouldn't. I don't think he'd be happy with that job. I'm glad I didn't ask. It's not far, but yeah, it would take effort. <sighs> so there's a possibility that we've covered the most important stuff. Yeah, do you have any other th things you want to discuss? Well, I think anything else, again, would be 
playfully digging into family specifics, which I think we could do. We don't have to. I think we've got a lot in terms of what we've gone into thus far. But then the temptation with me is also to like the other option is to like connect things on a larger scale and like the global scale and talk about things that are less personal. But I'm not sure that's really necessary or even fitting for this. And if you want, I mean, a lot of our memories from childhood, you, my memories, you say are incorrect. So (laughs) I don't know if we want to go there. I'm only aware of the one. What are the others? Anytime I say something, you're like, that's ridiculous. That didn't happen. Yeah. And it doesn't help my case for the one you're talking about that Steph's my witness because she can't remember what she she ate for breakfast. It does not help your case. No. I suspect there's truth in the general like imagery that you're pointing to, but... I don't know about the specific like, way that you're Then why do I it. remember so much? The story we're talking about, if I can share it, is that sure, I, I was going... <laughs> Steph well, and I... How might, old were we? Let's I clear. was probably 11, was so like, you were probably like, like years ago, 14. Right? Yeah, yeah, probably. It was like five years ago? Yeah, I was running through the sprinkler in <laughs> mom and dad's backyard five years ago um, with Steph, my best friend since I was six, who still is my best friend and just saw her on saturday yeah we just she was just here and we were running through the sprinkler and colin peed in a bucket and dumped it on my head and he denies <sighs> that this happened and steph is my only witness and she can't remember shit so yeah she's not a good witness she's not a good witness so he said she said but it happened <sighs> My guess is the truth there is that I probably either peed in the bucket and threatened to pour it on your hair or chased you with it, or I jokingly did it and didn't actually pee in it, and you you thought it was. I don't know. Either way, this particular trauma has been emblazed <laughs> into your psyche such that you... How has that affected you in your uh, your adult life so far? It's you have a fear of buckets? Probably why I got cancer. <laughs> I was tempted to make fault. that joke <laughs> because it's sort of obvious, but I was like, well, gosh, that that's uh we do that's a potential check in the wow, what a narcissistic jerk um though category to make the yeah, I caused your cancer. Cancer jokes are funny. I saw a shirt yesterday that said um, cancer jokes not great, but not dead. And I was like <laughs> That's amazing. I need to wear it. <laughs> it's good all around. Yeah, it's a good one all around. Yeah. Not great, but not dead. Yeah. Um, Not a cancer joke, but I have a shirt that says, this is what a real feminist looks like. Are you aware of that? Yep, I've seen you in it. It's a nice shirt. Yeah. Yeah, so screw you and your stupid memory. <laughs> <laughs> um. Paul's done way worse. I mean, come on. What does he put in buckets and pour it on your head? I can only imagine. All right. Let's not go there. I exactly. Don't know. Exactly. Need to get him in here and have a little talking to. Well, what, all right. What's another one? Um, why do we remember the bossy cow stuff? And it's odd because I always think of Brett Bordelme. Probably shouldn't. We should probably change that name. I always think of 
that relevant person. Um, and Paul, in the same kind of childhood way, like, there's a similar, like, uh, they have similar facial features in my memory. I don't have a big memory of those any people. of this, but it's just on camera. Of Somebody him saying, oh, good, she got a new doll. She can boss that around now. <laughs> so. <laughs> what did he know? Leadership qualities showing when I was little, I guess. That's right. Yeah. And as a feminist, I support that. Wow, well, really? You guys got me a doll to talk to. Yes, I got you a doll to talk to. That was me. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Should we talk about mom? <laughs> <laughs> do you, what do you want to talk about her? Should we um, pissed? Or, and or dad. Um, different conversations. She'll be pissed, you said? Unless it's something good. Why don't you say something nice? biggest thing you've learned that's helped in your growth about mom? Oh, I think it's very easy to see mom's value and virtue. It's the capacity to go above and beyond what we could in a critical way call that martyrdom and that like um, saintliness component. Like there's also obvious value in that, like the reliability, mm -hmm. the, yeah, the motive, obviously what we know is worth unpacking and would probably be good for her and, and, in effect, good for all of us is if she unpacked the motivations for that as probably stemming from things that are unfortunately pathological, rooted in a misunderstanding of <laughs> She's not Christianity and a kind of confusion about what it means to actually be a, a, an animal on the earth. But the spirit of her like, ability, that's who I was texting, the spirit of her ability to go above and beyond is, is, or her ability to go above and beyond is obviously, I mean, Jesus Christ, like we both have mm -hmm. utilized that in so many ways. And my friends I'm, call her the mom of all moms. Yeah, it's fucking badass. She's gonna go, what? To what you just said, but. Yeah, because it didn't necessarily, do I really think she's gonna understand that? No. Do I care? No. Could she benefit from in my humble opinion, and obviously that's a that's like saying I'm not a racist, in my humble opinion, because it's clearly probably not humble at this point. <laughs> um, could she benefit from prioritizing her own health and being willing to learn a lot of probably the shit that you're learning? Yeah. Is she going to? I don't know. So is it okay? Absolutely. Let her be her and let's uh, enjoy enjoy it as it is. She is learning though. From watching me, I think. Kick ass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say from mom. Mom gave me one of my number one values. And I love the, her song that she roots into the Forrest Gump suite song. That she once played at her funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which and I don't mind. Song. I don't have a no, problem with that. No, it is a beautiful that. song, but I just I'll wish go she on didn't record and ruin say, it and say, I play through. this at my funeral. Well, I'll go on the record and say, assuming that she isn't immortal, we will do that. Yeah, that would be a gift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have actually imagined that. I haven't. I'm sorry to make you do that. Now, now. you are making me, but <laughs> um, 
I was going to say mom gave me one of my greatest values and I only realized recently that it's always been one of my values and it's authenticity. So, and mom I've noticed is also very triggered by people who are disingenuous or situations that are inauthentic or not truthful. Um, And I think that's a lot of, I deleted Instagram two years ago and I have no interest in getting it back. And I think because I just couldn't handle the uh, inauthenticity with it. Like seeing a post when you actually knew what was going on in someone's life. That uh, is part of the social dilemma. It is it? a social dilemma, yeah. Yeah, that's a good, that's authenticity. That's one of those, back in that period in 2009, that's actually the first time I think I ever learned that word and started to understand that concept and started mm-hmm. to embrace that as a as a virtue. Um, but I, yeah, I think you're right. She has largely represented that. Mm-hmm. So good, both and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Way to go, mom. And dad. Yeah, there's a lot of they're they're similar in those ways. I think the silliest thing that I could say about our parents, um, and we're not going to unpack this tonight. And I don't mind them hearing this. I think I've even jokingly said this to both of them. Is and it's weird. I know it's weird. And I know <laughs> I know that I've explored it enough for myself that I, I can say it with uh without any sense of like it's neither to condemn nor con nor to condone. It's just like this uh, like purely just silly perspective. Mm-hmm. It's like having been raised by a monk and a nun. <laughs> you always say this. They're not gonna like that either. <laughs> <laughs> Well, You're going to be unpacking it with them if they listen to this. Yeah, I hope they do. And if they've listened this far, then I'm happy right. about that. Next next episode, the monk and the nun. The mon- <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. Dad basically said, and I'm actually hesitant to say basically because I think it's almost literally. I think he may have literally said it, that my only um, ambition is life in, in this life is enlightenment. I'm pretty sure that's a direct quote. From he did Lee say Kurtz. that, and I asked him if he—that's a fucking monk. <laughs> if he reached, that was his big one of his biggest regrets. Maybe not reaching enlightenment yet. He still has time, but he does. But it would be good for them to have listened to all of this because enlightenment as something that is a there's a clinical and even um there it's called a um. Cognitive distortion, the concept of an of achieve, like wanting to achieve an end, like thinking mm-hmm. of there being an ending. The idea that enlightenment is an ending, mm-hmm. but it's the journey is bonkers. Enjoy the journey. I mean, you don't well, even have to use anything, that cliche, yeah. although it is a great cliche. It's just yeah. that is yes, the concept of an ending or a process, the goal or the it's well, both. it's kind of I'll be happy when exactly yeah. Exactly. And if you can't be happy now, just yourself, you never will be. Right. And therefore, again, like, yeah, sure, embrace Buddhism, but understand that this thing called nirvana is also just a metaphor. Mm-hmm. 
and many people have the, the best thing I the, maybe the only quote unquote Buddhist um, concept that I think I ever really reflect back to people well, two things obviously I studied a lot so I, I do have some um, qualifications and I, I Robert Thurman when I was in school said that um, his that Herman Hesse who wrote Siddhartha was the one that got the whole thing right and <clears throat> this isn't from Hesse but it certainly fits in that um, the story is well what did the Buddha do before enlightenment the thing is that, that people say he chopped wood and carried water what did the Buddha do after enlightenment Chopped wood and carried chopped water. Wood and carried water. Yeah. He didn't dissolve into just like space particles or <laughs> yeah, or just some nothing, light. Nothing, nothing bothered him anymore. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's not that, not that at all. Yeah, I no. call it the California mindset. Thinking I'll be happy when. I see it everywhere. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's unique to Buddha. It's not unique to anything at this point. It's a, it's one of our shared human. One of our shared cultural confusions. Definitely. And that is why there is, there's a list of them, 16 cognitive distortions. Hmm. That one's called Heaven's Reward Syndrome. Oh, like be a martyr on earth. That's one aspect of it. That's yeah. one way it can show up. Uh-huh. Yeah, working towards that ending. Um, just literally just believing in the fucking thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I need to and, read and organizing your perspective or organizing your life for that end which is what you grew up with, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, the, 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 again, the neurological component. And, and again, that's not necessarily wrong. It's not to say it's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that it's good or bad. It's not about that at all. It's just recognizing these are concepts which the validity to which and the, the significance of which is worth... Um, you need you better understand it fully mm -hmm. before you just eat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Was that enough about mom and dad? I think so. I think mom will still be mad, but we love mm, you. She'll get over it. She's I've I've done worse. But yeah. <laughs> we both have. No, just me. What have you done? Bad not much. <laughs> <laughs> well giving them oh i mean what i'm putting them through now but i didn't do this intentionally so yeah i don't think you well, i don't did think anything. anybody does anything yeah. intentionally well that's not true no that's not true that's yeah, definitely not that's true definitely not true. but you could say that there's i think what you're that's a that that's a really nice I don't know. Do we ever talk about nonviolent communication? Anytime somebody says empathy, I think of that. Did we ever talk about that? I don't know. Well, I think it's a great, again, so, there's so many great tools. And every tool has a particular real context. Like, that's why we joke about tool belts and why you need more than a hammer. And that's why Paul has many different tools in the shop, et cetera, et cetera. Why I have many different tools in the, the dojo over there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> why we have more than just the capacity to breathe. Anyway, I think remember recognizing that everybody's probably trying to get something that they need is, is a good tool. So mm -hmm. unfortunately, does that attempt to get something that they need 
um, <laughs> not off. Does it sometimes uh, play out in a really unfortunate way? Yeah, yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to look at it. I'm I think it's a good way one. to stay grounded and not mm-hmm. get too lost in the or not create a story war. about that it's about you. Sure, and not to create more enemies. Mm-hmm. For damn sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need more enemies in our lives. Do you have enemies? I mean, fig- like in oh. our heads. Oh, yeah, a lot. <laughs> Do what? No, no, I don't. Um, the monkeys in our heads. Why the hell would I? Yeah, monkey mind. My friend Seth and his whole team uh, of coaches that you you I'm sure have touched on in similar ways with some of your team, (laughs) your all women team. (laughs) Yeah. They call it monkey mind. Monkey mind is I think actually another Buddhist concept. Mm -hmm. I think it might stem from certain Buddhist um, teachings. I think that's why I read about it. Yeah. It's a great point. Mm -hmm. And even just all of that just helps you again, come back to the, the humility that I've really been embracing. And my friend calls it ferocious humility. Hmm. Which I really like. <laughs> Why? Why is it called that? Well, because I think just humility can be. It just doesn't sound. Well, it's not unique enough. First off, like mm-hmm. you gotta, if you're gonna have a, a perspective about humility, let's mm-hmm. let's give it a little flavor. But I think to your point about the ability to have boundaries and to say and like humility sounds almost a little too pious on its own. I think you can have a ferocious humility that hypothetically, like I I have these animals reminding me about things. Like there's a picture of a lion out there. There's a polar bear behind you. Like you can be the most just collect calm and collected and relatable and, and service oriented and supportive creature Mm -hmm. and have the capacity to rip someone's head off if need be. I think mm-hmm. that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I think Paul and I were talking about that on the way over. I think we do ourselves a great mm-hmm. harm by negating all of this. It's one of the many ways that we negate our capacity. Our, uh, our what we, yeah, something good. Mm-hmm. All about balance, all about excess. In the, in the context of the, the wide open, um, my good friend Joe and I, we always come back to total nerd thing here but that guy aragorn like you know you you would probably have had better luck with men like him guiding or is he in lord of the rings yeah he's yeah (laughs) at this point if you're listening by the way this is a total waste of your time probably this is just me (laughs) rambling (laughs) kidding but we're gonna wrap up shortly because i'm aware of paul probably waiting for us he's ready for dinner yeah yeah anyway i can pause there um Do you? How do you relate to that ferocious humility, though? You and Paul were talking about something similar. Yeah, I like that term. I think I embody that. Exactly. That's yeah, why I brought it up. Completely, <laughs> because I can know. I will always make sure you feel seen and heard. But if there's a level of inauthenticity and there's not truth there, and how you want me to see you, I will let you know. And um, and I'll do it in a tactful, graceful way, but. You're not getting past me about that. And 
yeah, uh, now I'm going to call it ferocious humility. <laughs> Doesn't that feel good? Yeah, it does feel good. It gives it a um, little more, it's more, um, it's whole. It's a, mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I will say a lot, well, here's my empathy side coming back in. Um, I don't think you lost it. When a lot of people present in an inauthentic way, it's because they're so lost. And so I really try to, if I'm going to go there in power in a way to help them see that. So. Well, yeah, because you're not a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course, I'm you don't just, you're not a reactive, snappy jerk. You're not just going to say, you're going to, yeah, you have an inherent healthy openness. I think it's a, mm -hmm. everything you're describing to me just sounds like a healthy, balanced, clear, stable individual. Like, yes, please let me. Yes, please come. Yes, please is is the norm. And mm -hmm. if needed, you're gonna something else will happen. But normally, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Seems like a pretty fucking healthy. Way yes, of being. It is pretty healthy. It feels pretty good to live that way. That's, but it takes a lot of work to get there. And you're only 33. <laughs> 32, correction. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. You want to leave it there? Feels good. Yeah, we can stop there. It, it thanks for having me. My freaking pleasure. You think it'd be worth it to do with uh, other people or? What do you mean? Well, me we and someone? Yeah, we joked about oh, that. Oh, yeah. I think it would be fun to have Paul in here considering we talked about him a lot. All right, good. Well, we we'll can do, do that. me and so Paul this is sometime. a good start. Yeah. Part two Hubs. Hubs is coming in. You'll have to do a lot of bleeping. He's got a bad mouth. <laughs> I like that. I mean, for me, it totally. I don't think we'll bleep it out. All right, kids. You do too. Explicit. You just held back for right now. I do. Yeah, but I know how to. Yeah. He doesn't. Well, that's why we're going to work on yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, he needs some work. He doesn't care to be worked on. <laughs> I'm kidding. Maybe. Mostly. Love you, Paul. Bye. Bye. Okay. There she is. We'll put in a little bit more about how to reach out to her, how to connect with her, and um, at the very least... Go read her blog and keep up with her uh, website there. Um, but I think you're going to be seeing a lot more about what Shaylin Mental has to offer and is able to teach. And I hope you feel inspired and, and welcomed in terms of <sighs> the, the awareness. Well, welcomed in terms of being aware that you can allow yourself to just ask what is there to learn no matter what the fuck is going on. What is there to be learning here? So, with a bit of appropriate pride and generally just admiration, thank you again to my sister, Shaylin, and I will see you all soon. Thank you. Be well. <laughs>